Hysteria is brought to you by Books. This Mother's Day, give mom her flowers. She deserves the best. That's why you should send her farm fresh flowers from Books. That's short for bouquets. And right now, you can get 25% off your entire Books purchase. Here's why everyone likes the Books company. Books is different. Their flowers are cut fresh and sourced directly from the best flower farms, so they last way longer. They even have flowers grown on the side of a volcano, which I love. Books has modern designs and unique flowers you can't find anywhere else. Books is simple. Go online, pick the delivery date, and you are done. Mother's Day is May 12th. Don't miss the chance to thank your mom. Order your books now. And with 20% off, you can send some to mom, wife, aunt, and even grandma. Erin, I love my books. I love a flower that lasts forever, and my books arrangements really do last a full solid week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have uh, I have some sitting on my kitchen table right now, mm-hmm. and they've been there for several days. And usually when I buy them at, like, the grocery store, they're sort of, like, starting to crap Fade. out pretty quickly. Yep. Not with books. They stick around. They look beautiful. I like how they kind of slowly open up and become even more beautiful as they sit on your, you know, wherever Absolutely, you Absolutely, because they're that fresh. So go to books.com and use promo code hysteria for 25% off. That's B-O-U-Q-S dot com, promo code hysteria. Books, promo code hysteria. Hello and welcome to Hysteria. I'm Erin Ryan. And I'm Alyssa Mastromonaco. Alyssa, why are the germs so bad now? They're bionic now. The germs are bionic. Bad. I've got a turbo cold, and it's not COVID because I've tested three times during the course of my sickness. And I am going on a week plus of feeling like I'm going to die. When does it end? Is this just my life? This is, no, it's just, it's just, it's it's a momentary, it's a momentary thing, Aaron. We're all going to be great soon. Ugh. This is me being glass half full, though I don't really believe it, because if you'll recall several weeks ago, my petty was people who were like, are you sick again? Mm. Because I too have been, I have caught everything that has gone around. It is a nightmare and I pray that soon my body runs out of snot. I had no idea that there was (laughs) this much space inside of my face and chest and that's gross. I wish I were there to steam you like I steam my cat Midge. (laughs) (laughs) Ew. (laughs) This week we are joined by Jessica Valenti, Amanda Nguyen and Tian Tran to take on the following questions. What stories on reproductive rights aren't getting talked about enough? Who is a sidekick and who gets to be the main character? And is divorce ever funny? All this and more right now. Alyssa, let's get started with news. We're going to do something a little bit different today. Hmm. Yeah. So today, like Hmm. squares of butter into a croissant dough, we are folding our interview <laughs> into our news segment for a couple of reasons. Have you ever done that? I can't do that. Fold the butter. I'm not a the- good laminator. I'm no, not a good laminator. I can't I can't do it, but we're going to do it in our news segment this week because we often cover similar stories to our guests today. And in fact, her work makes it easier for us to do our work. And second, because yes. she is simply a good hang. 
So we figured <laughs> let's just combine it into, into one, one segment and let's meet her. Today's guest is Jessica Valenti. You may know her from her current project, the Substack Abortion Every Day, where she writes about the current state of abortion in the U.S., OGs might know her as the founder of the blog Feministing and author of five books, including Full Frontal Feminism and The Purity Myth. Jessica Valenti, welcome to Hysteria. Thank you for having me. We are so glad you're here. Can you tell us a little bit about your Substack project, Abortion Every Day? Like, what gave you the idea, whatsoever gave you the idea to write about <laughs> abortion every day? And, uh, and how's it going? I mean, it's going poorly, like for anyone who is writing about abortion right now, right? Like it's a, it's a difficult beat. Um, but honestly, it, it sort of happened organically because as you know, there's so much happening with abortion. There's so much going on every single day um, that after Roe was overturned and I started, um, I already had an existing Substack, and I started writing about what was going on. I realized, oh, I'm, I'm writing multiple things a day. Um, I'm just going to I'm just going to formalize this and call it a thing. But really, the hope, and and I think we're there, was to create something that made people feel not so overwhelmed, right? Like, that's the hard thing about everything that's going on with abortion rights, one of the many hard things, is that we're being so inundated with bad news, bad bills, horror stories, and, and really that's part of the Republican strategy is to just completely overwhelm us. And they're hoping that that overwhelm will will sort of freeze us into an action. Uh, and so the hope is that by providing, you know, a daily email roundup of what's going on, not just politically, but, you know, culturally, that folks will feel a little bit more in control and on top of what often feels like an uncontrollable situation. Mm-hmm. Now, Jessica, you... I mean, I use your Instagram and your Substack as my nightly read. Um, and you cover so much of what really isn't found anyplace else. But let's start off with something that actually is being covered. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us everything that's happening in Texas right now with the lawsuit that is being brought by women who are pregnant and feel the state of Texas has uh, fucked them over? Oh, the fu- yeah, this is this is Great. I mean, it's horrible, but it's great. So five women from Texas who were denied vital health care despite being allowed it, like air quotes, allowed it under under Texas law. They are suing them, saying that they were denied this care, um, even though their health and lives were at risk, even though their uh, pregnancies had fatal abnormalities. Um, One of the stories uh, a woman ended up with sepsis, was literally told, like, you cannot come back. We cannot help you unless you are close to death. And guess what? She got very close to death. She ended up in the ICU with sepsis. Um, just horror story after horror story. And so they are coming forward and they've brought this lawsuit. And their hope is to, they're not trying to uh, re- rescind the law. They want to amend the law so that the exception um, is better worded. But I think really, Mm -hmm. this is about, you know, raising people's consciousness about what is happening and the real life impact that this has on people in the lawsuit. There's um, a sentence that that I've been thinking about. And it says something along the lines of these women and women across the country have been denied dignified care, right? It's Mm -hmm. it's the dignity of it. And I think that that has really been something that stuck with me as I've been doing this newsletter 
yeah, we haven't seen, there's been no reported deaths yet, though I am 100% confident that there have been deaths. And so a lot of the stories we're seeing are women who have suffered, right? And the anti-choice response to that that I've seen has been, well, look, the laws are working. They're alive. They're okay. They're alive. And so the laws are fine. Um, No talk about the suffering that they had to go through, the, um, the lack of dignified care. Um, And if our standard for care for women is like, well, you're alive, aren't you? Uh, I think we're in a pretty bad fucking place. Mm -hmm. Speaking of dignity, Florida, a place currently with very, very little dignity. Uh, Florida's Republican-led legislature on Tuesday, just a couple days ago, filed bills that would ban abortions after six weeks of pregnancy, which we all know most people don't know they're pregnant at six weeks. Mm -hmm. But they're trying to, I don't know, thread a Floridian needle um, and offer exemptions for victims of rape and incest. Here's the dignity part. If they can provide official proof of the crime. Jessica, what the fuck does that even mean? Yeah, it's just, you know... No rape and incest exceptions are real. So, like, let's be clear on that from the get-go. These are not things that people are actually able to make use of, in large part because of language like that, right? And so, in addition to saying that you have to get abortion care before 15 weeks, which, again, is a hurdle that is a very difficult one for uh, rape and incest victims to cross because so many of them are in denial, because so many of them are minors, And so they have that one hurdle and then they have this other hurdle that's you need to bring some sort of proofs like a, you know, a court document, um, a police report to prove that you've been attacked. And anyone who knows anything knows that the vast majority of victims will never, ever go to police or report their attacks because of everything that happens when they do and because of the, you know, inequity in the criminal justice system. Um, and so what this law is saying is you don't get health care if you have been raped um, unless you're willing to put yourself through the trauma of of reporting it. And most people won't. Mm-hmm. I guess just get a receipt the next time you get raped so <laughs> that you can bring it see, to the doctor. Like, well, and that's yeah. what I thought was so dodgy about the way they said it. Proof of a crime. Is that a report or a conviction? Because that doesn't work. That I mean, yeah. and that's the thing. And like different right? Like prosecutors will argue different things and they they have kept it very vague for a reason. And they also had very vague language in terms of um, penalties for abortion. It's anyone who um, provides or actively participates in an abortion. So what does actively participate in mean? I have to assume the person who's getting the abortion has actively participated. Um, Does the person Mm -hmm. who drove them you know, actively participate? What about someone who lent them money for the procedure? Are they actively participating? That language is kept incredibly deliberately vague so that whatever, you know, radical district attorney decides that they want to bring charges, they can interpret that how they would like to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, another thing, one of the women, I think, in Texas who is behind this the lawsuit, um, her water broke too early for her fetus to yeah. be viable. And in that case, would the fetus itself be an active participant in the abortion since the fetus was sort of like, ye- like yeeted itself? It was like, okay. And that, but that's, I mean, I know I'm being like glib right now, but that is the way a lot of miscarriages work. It's like something happens, there's a fetal issue or there's like some sort of genetic thing and you're, and the, the fetus or the pregnancy itself is just like, nope, not this time. And like, yeah. so what, what, it just, it's so, it's like people trying to write laws who who like couldn't even pass biology. It's like it, the writing yeah. 
fanfic about what pregnancy is, you know? It, it really, really is. I wrote a column a few months ago about like the kind of people who are writing these laws and enforcing them. And it's like the dumbest, most obnoxious guy you knew in high school. Like the worst, the, the literal worst person you knew, that is who is writing these laws. That is who is arresting people, right? Like it's, yeah, so infuriating. Yeah, and you know, mm-hmm. there's a part of me that thinks, Alyssa mentioned the six week, cutoff. And a lot of states are trying to do a six-week cutoff. And I feel like in these cases, um, lawmakers are benefiting from the fact that language around pregnancy in, like, gynecology is very confusing. Like, the fetus Mm -hmm. is not six weeks old when you are six weeks pregnant. Do you think that gynecologists should get together and, like, rejigger the way that they describe pregnancy? Like, (laughs) would that help with the public perception of the way that abortion works and the way that pregnancy works? Because, like, there is no yeah. one-week pregnant. You cannot take a pregnancy test when you are one-week pregnant because you haven't even ovulated yet. You know, it's like— right. It's too complicated for them. They will never—like, whatever threshold they are at now, they'll find a way to move it. They'll find a way to change it. And, like, whenever you present them with the reality of what happens during pregnancy, they literally cannot process it. Or they just say you're, you know, they say you're lying. Like, look at what happened when those um, pictures of early pregnancy, early abortion went viral, right? And they lost their minds. That you, I mm-hmm. got messages. You photoshopped the fetus out of that picture. You like removed it before you put like just the most wild shit because they truly have no sense of what pregnancy is actually like or what pregnancy actually looks like. And when confronted with the truth of it, it's like their minds explode. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. Um, how do you feel about the Walgreens news? Like they're only allowing abortion medication to be dispensed from their pharmacies where it is legally permissible. What's what's the latest with that? But they're not right. Like so. So, yeah. So these, you know, 28 state AGs sent them threatening letters First, they got back to the Kansas attorney general and said, we're not going to dispense or ship anything to Kansas where abortion is legal. And then they came out and, you know, they're basically um, doing whatever these Republican state AGs want. But because of the public backlash to that, which is understandable, yesterday they released a very, um, you know, shadily worded statement saying, we're just going to follow the law and we're going to dispense it where it's legal. But that is something that's very in contrast to what they are telling the state attorney general. So I have to assume that what they're saying is if the state attorney general says it's illegal, even if the law says that it's legal, we're going to go with the state attorney general, right? Like, so they're being very fishy about the way they're saying it, trying to thread this needle of making people happy, doing damage control. But obviously um, they've caved. And I think that that is mm-hmm. just going to be the the case everywhere. And so now we have to wait to see what happens with CVS um, and more independent pharmacies. Mm-hmm. But the um, anti-choice groups and anti-choice activists have basically been parking themselves outside of various pharmacies as a way to threaten and intimidate in the same way that they do at abortion clinics in the hope that pharmacists are just going to say, you know what, like this is this is not worth it. Oh, my gosh. Well, I, I mean, Walgreens did a little bit of fucking around and finding out, though, right? Because yeah, they did. in California, like Governor Newsom has announced that, OK, you're not going to do you're, then we're not going to do any business with you. Um, do you think that California's I, I mean, I know that, you know, neither of us are in, in Gavin Newsom's office or in his head or anything like that. But yeah. uh, do you think that that California's actions are 
part of what spurred Walgreens to kind of like freak out and be like, oh, no, 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 we're still doing it. I think I think so. Yes. And I think just the, the public outrage as well. I mean, what Walgreens forgot and what a lot of people forget is that the vast majority of American people want abortion to be legal. Um, and they certainly don't want their pharmacy is telling them that they can't have access to legal medication. And so I think it was a combination of, yes, California, but also I feel quite confident that they are hearing from a lot of um, customers as well. Mm -hmm. You know what? I learned an interesting factoid this morning, and that is that counties that voted for Joe Biden in 2020 account for around 70 percent of the GDP. Really? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes. There you go. Yeah. And so there's something to me that's like, you know, I feel as though Newsom, even if what he's doing is sort of political theater, is like a really good example because – California is like 15% of this country's economy, like blue, st- like Washington, Oregon, like states with big ports, New York, they're like blue states have a ton of economic heft. And I feel as though they're not really throwing their weight around as much as they could. How do you, how do you feel about that, Jessica? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. With Newsom, he's been doing a ton of terrific stuff. And at this point, I don't mm-hmm. give a shit if it's political theater because he is doing mm-hmm. something and it is having an impact. And like, that is what we need. And that's what we want to see. Like, I want to see politicians being proactive on the offense on this because we have the public support, we have the votes, and people need to stop acting as if we don't, as if this, like, is something that Americans are truly equally, you know, split on or polarized on when they're really not. I was going to say, too, here in New York, here in New York, I feel like Governor Hochul could be doing so much more and really sort of yeah. doing a little bit more newsoming uh, in her own right. And we're really, we're really not. We're not. I don't hear anything about it. Right. Like, I feel like I hear something about California and abortion every single day. I don't hear that in New York. Um, And it's Mm -hmm. and it's too bad. Like we have the ability to obviously a lot of people are traveling to New York for abortion care. Um, And so Mm -hmm. I would love to hear more about what are we going to do for them? How are we you know, how are we going to protect them? How are we going to protect providers? What kind of money are we going to put forward? Are we going to start putting billboards in anti-choice states telling people how to get to New York for care? We should. Mm -hmm. Well, and not only that, but as to Aaron's point about the counties that went for Biden uh, participating so greatly in our national wealth, whatever that might be, um, so much of the aid goes to states like Mitch McConnell's state. Mm-hmm. And so I just feel like, I feel like our states really could be just doubling down a little bit more. What is happening in Iowa? They are really, the fuckery is, is widespread. Which thing in Iowa? The, the, the websites? There's so, like, there's the websites. so much happening. There's, <laughs> tell us, Jessica, tell us everything that's happening in <sighs> Iowa. This is Our listeners, we're so lucky because our listeners are from all over. And sometimes this news is just too much to keep up with. So Mm -hmm. it's so it is a lot. So uh, there's an Iowa bill that is very similar, actually, to a Texas bill that is um, seeking to ban pro-choice websites uh, in the state. They they specify um, that they want them banned uh, at libraries, schools, you know, like high schools, universities. Um, but really it's everywhere and they want to give citizens the right to sue internet service providers who don't block those websites 
in the state. Um, and so, again, that's another thing that like Texas is doing. They're, you know, they're taking a, a page out of Texas's book. It is so wild. In Texas, in the Texas bill, they actually specifically name some of the websites that they want banned, you know, websites like Aid Access and Hey Jane, any place that uh, provides you know, abortion medication for shipping or information about abortion medication. There's a line in the Iowa bill that says it's not just, um, you know, abortion or you're, you know, selling abortion. Anyone who enables the aiding and abetting of abortion. (laughs) So it's like, they're like, how much can we stretch this out to include Mm -hmm. everyone so that people are scared out of their minds and, you know, and won't get the care that they need. It's almost like they don't understand that that women have been having abortions for the entirety of human history. Mm -hmm. Um, And they weren't pharmaceutical or or surgical in a lot of cases, but like they've been having abortions. It's not Mm -hmm. like every time somebody became pregnant prior to like Margaret Sanger, that everyone was like, whoops, well, guess yeah. I'm just going to have this. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's kind of wild that they think banning the internet will prevent it, like a practice that's as old as civilization itself. Right. They, I mean, listen, I think they know they, it's just about making it more dangerous, making it more difficult, making it harder and terrorizing women along the way, because that's all this is doing, right? Is like, you're just terrorizing the women who are going to get that care no matter what, but you're making them terrified in the meantime. You're making them paranoid. You're making them not tell anyone in their life because they're afraid that the people in their life are going to turn them in, which is, you know, what happens in places like Texas. Um, and so you're essentially creating the situation where women who are already scared and dealing with a really stressful situation are now going to be even more frightened and also alone and lack that support. One of the other things in Iowa that I thought it's like, these are the things that I find the most frustrating, I guess, maybe. I mean, it's all frustrating, but the the amount of sort of subterfuge they're going to to mm. confuse people. So in the governor's new uh, health care legislation, she is spending like a million and a half dollars to open up new pregnancy resource centers, which sounds like a good thing. But the whole point of that is to, um, is to counsel against abortion. Yeah. They're, I mean, they're all like across all of those anti-choice states, they are, um, increasing funding for anti-abortion centers. I'm trying very hard to start calling them anti-abortion centers rather than crisis pregnancy Mm -hmm. centers. Um, but right they're putting a lot of stock in these places that are not just anti-abortion, lie to women, right? Um, Conceal information about their health, but are completely inept, right? Like there was a, there was a a whistleblower in Kentucky who came forward. She was a volunteer nurse at an anti-abortion center and they were using expired, um, expired disinfectant. (gasps) Oh, Oh my God. Fuck that. Yes. And they were using lubricant for the the, the uh, ultrasound wand that was meant to go outside on the body, and they were using that oh. for internal. Oh my god! Yeah, and she went to oh the Kentucky medical board, the nursing board, and they didn't do anything. They, there was no consequences because these places are so um, lightly regulated, barely regulated at all, that they can essentially mm-hmm. do anything they want. And when you look at the numbers, they're like giving out like essentially what amounts to like a package of diapers per person who comes in. They are not 
like helping women in any way. All of that money goes towards uh, salaries and like promotional campaigns to get the word out. Like they're not helping. Aren't anyone. they trying to? Aren't they also trying to like give women a hard sell on putting their babies up for adoption? Oh, like yeah. they don't want these. They don't want. I I feel like. And, and you know, this is maybe just me being paranoid, but I feel like they don't really want poor women to be mothers. They want them to mm-hmm. give birth, but they mm-hmm. don't want them to be allowed to be mothers. I think they want their children to be given up for adoption for the millions of evangelical couples that are waiting to adopt children who oh, like, 100%. can't have their own. A hundred percent. And I think you would probably find that like a lot of those um, centers have connections to those like Christian adoption mm-hmm. centers and they have relationships, you know, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Well, we don't want to take too much more of your time, but like just bringing it back to your Substack, is it hard to write about this constantly? And like, what brings you hope writing about this every single day? What brings you hope and what keeps you going? Um, I think honestly, this is part of the reason I'm on TikTok and I like like TikTok is because seeing all of like the younger feminists being so outraged and doing their thing, like that is what makes me feel like we're going to be okay. Because again, like public support is on our side um, and seeing women and young women in particular and young feminists be so pissed off and be so furious, like their anger and outrage absolutely is fueling me. <laughs> What would happen if you ran out of material? Like, what would you do if suddenly, like, <laughs> like what, what would you do? <laughs> I'd be so happy. I would take, like, the world's biggest, take a huge nap, pop an Ambien, and see you in, like, three days. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, Jessica Valenti, where can our listeners find you? We'll put a link to your Substack in our show notes, but where else can they connect? Um, I'm on Twitter and Instagram and, and all of the places. And I'm on uh, TikTok under anti-killjoy, which is fun. Um, <laughs> I, I, I enjoy it there. So yeah, all of the places. But yeah, the best place to find me is definitely at jessica.substack.com. Amazing. Jessica, thank you so much for joining us. Come back again sometime. Yeah. I'm sure there'll be more for us to talk about. We're going to take a quick break. Stick around. We will be right back. This episode is brought to you by IQ Bar. Power up your life with superior brain and body nutrition products from IQ Bar. Their plant protein bars are the perfect low-carb breakfast. Their IQ Mix Zero Sugar Hydration Drinks replenish electrolytes. And their IQ Joe Mushroom Coffees will keep you focused all day long. Start each day right with IQ Bar's brain and body boosting bars, hydration mixes, and mushroom coffees. Their ultimate sampler pack includes all three. IQ Bar empowers doers with superior brain and body nutrition. All their products are entirely free from gluten, dairy, soy, GMOs, and artificial sweeteners. And today, Hysteria listeners get an exclusive offer of 20% off plus free shipping. Just text HYSTERIA to 64000. One thing I love about IQ Bar is, first of all, right now it's really dry where I am. Oh, okay. It is hard for me to stay hydrated. I, mean, I just like, I, I'll just be going through my day and I'll be like, why am I so like... Parched. I'm parched. I'm in a bad mood. I feel like I'm going to pass out. And it's, ah, you got to drink some water. You got to stay hydrated. I really like their IQ Mix Zero Sugar Hydration Drinks because it allows me to rehydrate myself at a time yeah. when I feel like the atmosphere is trying to take all my moisture away. 
Well, and sometimes you need more than just water. Sometimes you need more more than just water. I also love IQ bars because I love a portable breakfast. I love a grab-and-go breakfast. No dishes. Love something I can walk around holding and eating. I like something I can eat in my car without endangering the lives of me and every other motorist on the road. A breakfast burrito. <laughs> not, not the safest thing to eat behind the wheel. IQ bar, go ahead and do it. Good for you. Great ingredients. Helps you... Stay focused and alert throughout the day, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, and you don't have to dirty any dishes. Refuel smarter with IQ Bar's Ultimate Sampler Pack. That's seven IQ Bars, four IQ Mix sticks, and four IQ Joe sticks. And now our special podcast listeners get 20% off all IQ Bar products plus get free shipping. To get your 20% off, just text Hysteria to 64000. Get your discount. Text Hysteria to 64000. That's H-Y-S-T-E-R-I-A to 64000. Message and data rates may apply. See terms for details. This episode of Hysteria is brought to you by Viore. Need the perfect Mother's or Father's Day gift? Check out Viore Performance Apparel. Drawing inspo from the coastal California lifestyle, Viore's products inspire others to live vibrant, active lives. I love that they're calling this the coastal California lifestyle. I will embrace that instead of what I thought it was, which was the I only want to wear comfortable clothes lifestyle. Yeah. I have to. I refuse to be uncomfortable I refu- if I want to be productive. I refuse <laughs> to be uncomfortable, but sometimes I have to look like I belong in a respectable place lifestyle, which is like yeah. Viore is perfect for it because they the clothes look fantastic. They fit great. They are so comfortable. I lie down in mine all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Especially, Erin, the women's performance joggers. They have a slim but relaxed fit and are designed with dream knit stretch fabric. I love my joggers. I've slept in mine. I've slept in them. Really? You don't get hot? No. They're very, like, on oh. a, like a couch nap. You know, you have like a, oh yeah. you've got like maybe a half an hour in the afternoon. You're like, ooh, I've got a like small break. I'm very tired. I'm going to just like lay down for 20 minutes. It's yeah. Perfect. Perfect for couch okay. napping. Joggers. I love the leggings. I can work out in them. I can do my errands in them. I can wear them with a proper top to a business meeting. It is not a problem. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, you probably could. Just put yeah, a, a totally. blazer and like— Denim shirt. Denim, denim shirt, oh, blazer, yeah. leggings. So easy. 100%. And, of course, the men's core shorts. They have a classic athletic fit falling just above the knee while the Sunday performance joggers are made from recycled performance stretch fabric. I got my dad some men's core shorts. He wears them to mow the lawn. That's perfect. He is. Like, I think my my dad is one of those people that just, like, beats the crap out of his clothes. He'll wear them until they're— they look like a security blanket that a 30-year-old yep. still has where it's just like a ball of string and you're like, um, Our dads are the same. Yeah, yeah. But um, my dad has had his for like a couple years now and I think I, I saw him wearing them the other week when I met up with um, family on a, on a short weekend trip and they still looked great. It was like, Dad, your clothes still look new. <laughs> so fancy. Viore is offering Hysteria listeners 20% off your first purchase. Get some of the most comfy and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash hysteria. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash hysteria. You'll also enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to viore.com slash hysteria and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. All right, people, we all know the stakes of the 2024 election are high, whether it's keeping the Senate, taking back the House, or stopping Republicans at the state level. If you're ready to make a real difference, sign up for Vote Save America's 2024 volunteer program. 
And just to make it interesting, we're pitting you against each other. Vote Save America will sort you onto a team, east or west, and you'll compete with a community of other volunteers to maximize your impact on the ground with opportunities tailored to you and the causes you care about. The team with the highest volunteering staff could secure the biggest prize of all, the continuation of American democracy. Head to votesaveamerica.com slash 2024 now and get ready to organize or else. This message has been paid for by Vote Save America. You can learn more at votesaveamerica.com and this ad has not been authorized by any candidate or candidate's committee. And welcome back. Alyssa, you're not my sidekick. We're like co-sidekicks. Am I your am I your side piece? <laughs> no. <laughs> that means a totally I different thing. I, thought, I know, I know. I was just being funny. You're a side I piece. I was just being funny. No, we're I mean, I don't mind if I can I can be your sidekick. I but- don't want a sidekick. I don't want to be the main person where the buck stops. I want to be someone who... So there's no lead. We're co-sidekicks. We're like Lincoln Arms. This is a Mm two-hander. This is (laughs) what they call a two-hander. Well, I'm excited to talk about sidekicks today with two of my favorite main characters. Our first panelist (laughs) is the founder of the nonprofit Rise, a 2019 Nobel Peace Prize nominee, and a 2022 Time Woman of the Year. It's Amanda Nguyen. Amanda, welcome. (laughs) Hi. Every time I read your credits I, or like when I talk about you with like a friend or mention you, I'm like, yeah, she's like a Nobel Peace Prize nominee and she <laughs> does my, she talked about Target on my podcast. <laughs> I love it. Uh, Inside yeah, pieces how, today, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how, how are you doing? What's, what's new with you? Um, I'm doing well. I'm organizing my fridge. We just talked about vacuums earlier. So, you know, there's the little things that get me through. <laughs> up next uh you can watch our next panelist in the newest season of how i met your father on hulu streaming now or if you're in la you can catch her doing stand-up at dynasty typewriter with netflix is a joke radio on march 21st tian tran welcome hello <laughs> so good to see you i want to start it's so good to see you too i want to start talking a little bit about sidekicks with you because you play a supporting character in How I Met Your Father, Ellen yes. Gilbert. Yes, I do. <laughs> is is she a sidekick? And is it more fun to play somebody who like supports the main character or to be the main character? Oh, gosh. Okay. Do you want to get into an existential conversation about the industry? Because then that'll... <laughs> sure. I do feel a, cert- a certain sort of way about like specifically characters of color mm-hmm. and like queer characters and queer characters of color. Oh, let's get into it. Being... Let's go. Let's get oh. right there. Let's do it. <laughs> Tian, we're here. Let's hear it. I mean, okay. So for me personally, as an experience being in the show, I, I actually really do love being a part of the like supporting cast because I I still feel very new in my sort of acting career. And so I think I would be able – I don't know if I would be able to carry a show as the lead right now, just to be okay, totally I'm just, honest. Yes. Um, I would be the audience. <laughs> Amanda, Amanda would watch. Yes. Okay, Amanda, thank you yeah, so yeah, much. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, I would love to at some point, and, like, that's something that I'm working towards. But, like, industry-wide, I feel like 
uh, uh, it's it's frustrating to see so many like very specific sort of like, you know, you always have your white leads and then you have your like characters of color who are made to be sidekicks. Um, and they are oftentimes made to be sort of like their whole purpose is just to help this person on their journey. And so you very rarely learn anything about them. You very rarely get any sort of like internal conflicts about them. Um, and so... I would like that to change, but to answer your question of like currently on the show, like I do, this, they're going to be like, oh, she hates being on the show. No, I love <laughs> being on the show as a supporting cast member um, and like getting to slowly start to see that like they are giving more of our other characters kind of main character energy, as everyone says. Hmm. Um, Amanda, you um, have been nodding this whole time. So I want I want to like keep opening whatever can of worms Tien started opening. And I would love to hear your <laughs> thoughts on who's a sidekick and who's a main character. Okay, well, it's as we're recording International Women's History Day. And I think that women and especially women of color are the main characters of their lives and that there's absolutely an issue with who gets to have that empathy to be a main character, not only within Hollywood, but also within our government, within um, yeah. who gets to, um, like that Hamilton song, right? Like who gets to pen and tell my story or whatever. It's really getting it wrong. But, you know, I, <laughs> I would like to tell folks who don't see themselves represented that your story matters too. Um, that doesn't mean that there aren't sidekicks out there. In fact, like some of my favorite characters in storytelling of all time are sidekicks, like Samwise Gamgee. He, he's the real hero, in my opinion, of Lord of the Rings. Spoiler. But, um, or Chewbacca. Um, but, um, but yeah, I think those who are underrepresented, um, deserve to be main characters in all the ways. Mm-hmm. What, are, what have been some viewing experiences for you or reading experiences for you where there has been a sidekick that has frustrated you because you're like, I really wish that this person had more to them? I can talk about the other side of that, which is I just read this book called A Mountain Sings, and it's by a Vietnamese poet, a woman who wrote it. And I had never written um, or read a book by a Vietnamese woman before. And the way that it touched me, I... I just read it on the plane, like the entire sitting. And then I was eating dinner with a friend and I actually pulled the book out. And so we were waiting. I was like, I'm so sorry to be that awful friend, but I have to finish this book. Anyways, so, um, <laughs> but um, the way that I had never seen myself represented like that, um, the way that the words just reached out from the page and gripped me, I had never had that experience before. And, um, you know, it really just shook me to my core. Um, so, you know, I, um, I know that like, that's what representation is, but, um, I don't like it when, uh, we are used again as a character foil for another person, um, when our trauma is exploited, you know, when you look into the literature or movies about the Vietnam war, you know, in Vietnam, we call it the American war, right? Like, um, the perspective is often, um, you know, not of us by us. Um, so, uh, even if we are getting visibility in terms of side characterships, um, mm -hmm. you know, when do we get to be the main character? And, and in this book, it, it was, and it was amazing. 
Hmm. And you know what? Honestly, I don't think taking out a book to read as you're waiting for a restaurant is any ruder than taking your phone out. That's true. I agree. <laughs> no ruder. No ruder. Um, Alyssa, what do you make of the sidekick trope? And and like, what do you make of... So just so you, our listeners know, that the reason that we're talking about this is because there was an article in the New York Times about Kamala Harris sort of as like the president's sidekick. And we were like, hmm, interesting. How do we feel about this? And Alyssa, I, would, I was wondering how you feel about the article and like the sidekick in politics in general. I mean, I actually, so when I thought about it, I don't know. I don't agree. It's like, I think that there are some people who could be considered sidekicks. I think that Kamala's kind of like needs, I think that someone needs to give Kamala some like good platforms where she can just go out and kind of do her own thing. Um, I I feel like she got some of the really hard shit that she's only going to get beat up on. And it's like when I look at it, I, I do think that Joe Biden was more of a sidekick to Barack Obama. And like, I'm just I also am not sure if that's a good thing. Like I in politics, I think there are too many egos for there ever to really be a sidekick. Like I thought about it and it's like no one like when you look in 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 pop culture, you can identify sidekicks. And the funny thing is, is that in pop culture, I thought about like my favorite TV shows and my favorite TV shows, my favorite character in all the TV shows is the sidekick. Like they Mm -hmm. are the person that's more relatable to me and they are the person who you kind of are like always rooting for, you know, much more than the main character because they're getting all the resources, right? So it's like, I prefer Rhoda Morgan Stern to marry Tyler Moore. You know, Ethel was as funny as Lucy. Uh, Who doesn't want more Cousin Greg in succession? I mean, it is, (laughs) those are... I feel like sidekicks are my people. And in D.C. and in politics, it's like, I don't know. I feel like people need to maybe like let Kamala be Kamala and let her be her own person. I feel like D.C. political culture is trying to define her as more of a sidekick. And that's really fucking stupid. Mm hmm. Yeah, it seems though as though the idea of the sidekick is like a little bit feminized. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. the assumption mm-hmm. is like like I think back to a few years ago there was a show on network TV called like Single Parents or something like that. Mm-hmm. So and and like there were ads all over in Los Angeles, you know, billboards and stuff. There was a billboard for single parents and front and center on the billboard was like a white guy. And it's like how many single parents in terms of like percentage in the U.S. are like white guys raising children on their own? And the and the answer – like it is completely like antithetical to the reality mm-hmm. of like – but they had to make a show with like a white guy in the middle. Even though it was a show about an experience <laughs> that is primarily had by women and – women of color in a lot of cases. And it was like, I remember thinking like, this is very stupid. And I will not watch this show because of, like, just because of the billboard. It it like made me so angry. I I wonder, Tien, um, what you make of, you know, do you think men think of women as natural sidekicks? I mean, yes. What is that famous phrase like behind every what is it behind every great man is a woman exhausted doing everything woman? like, <laughs> yeah, like right. a, a totally exhausted, like a, a woman who hasn't been an underappreciated woman. Um, I think it's just like, 
yeah, we live in we live in this like cis heteronormative patriarchy. And I think we're starting to change that. But I know a lot of my, you know, dear friends who are in sort of not sort of who are in straight. Right. Look at me hedging on saying straight, some straight <laughs> relationships. Uh, you know, we have women like amazing friends of mine who are like working badasses. But at the at the end of the day, they are still doing so much both emotional labor and also just like labor labor in the home. And like it's it's almost like the men they don't they're not being like you got to keep the house, but it's not like they're saying anything differently. Do you know what I mean? Like there's like a lot of- I got to keep the house. Yeah, they're they're not like, I've got to keep the house. There's a lot of weaponized incompetence going around. And and I think because of that, it like relegates women to becoming sort of the sidekick or doing everything or like making sure that everything is taken care of, which Mm -hmm. is fucked up. Mm -hmm. Amanda, you are, you know, you work as the the head of an organization and you're very visible. Do you ever get- treated by people who don't know any better? Do people ever treat you like you couldn't possibly be in charge? And how does that, how does that go? Oh yeah. I get mansplained all the time about the laws that I've written. Um, and <laughs> Wait, can you, can you tell, tell us any like specific stories like yes. about someone telling you a, about a law that you wrote? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there are times when I go and I sit, you know, in some kind of political office and um, we've passed the law there already and the person goes, oh yeah, yeah, there was this law that was passed and like, here are all the tenants and, you know, um, at first I wanted to fight back. Uh, and then I just realized I'm just going to let this sink in and then just wait for the dust to settle and say, yeah, I wrote that. And then watch as the embarrassment sinks in that. Like, that's a very satisfying moment for me. Um, <laughs> there have been plenty of times where I've walked in and, you know, I had to meet the principal member or whatever. And, um, you know, my assistant, who is a guy, will walk in and they'll be addressing him as the CEO and founder and not me. And I remember this one instance where the, you know, it's an intern friend, but an intern did that. And um, and the member came out um, and addressed me. And on the table, there was um, an article and it was featuring me. <laughs> she put it up Shut and up. that intern's face went super pale. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. So the thing is that, um, you know, I think that in the history of the patriarchy, women have been side characters. We are the wind beneath their wings. Um, our thoughts are their ideas. You know, a lot of people say Albert Einstein, his most brilliant ideas were actually his mm-hmm. wives, right? Um, mm-hmm. And, or his first wife. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I think that in surviving what society has deemed as, okay, well, you have the characteristics of what a side character is, but you don't actually want to be slotted as a side character. How do you survive that? And, um, you know, sometimes I've just, I've just leaned in to people's assumptions because there is a lot of power to um, being underestimated. Alyssa, you're nodding. You, you um, I, I feel oh, like this I has happened to you. I couldn't agree more. It's like every time, and look, I always try to chalk it up. I was young. You know, when I worked in the White House, I was young. I was a woman. But when I first took over as White House Deputy Chief of Staff, the because the person who had, had come before me uh, would take me to meetings before I had been White House Deputy Chief, and I saw how people treated him. And then when I took his job, 
I mean, you guys, some of those meetings, I was like, wait, are they going to physically fucking pat me on the head? Like, am I just going to get a pat on the head right now? And it was really hard. But to Amanda's point, my uh, I kind of like weaponized being the sidekick or underestimated because they'd be like, you know, you know who underestimated me? Fucking Governor Cuomo. He underestimated me. And you know who didn't? Chris Christie, he came into me and it's like, and I don't care if everyone fucking hates Chris Christie, but I'm just going to tell you the truth. He came in and he treated me like I was his fucking equal mm. and was like, here's what I need and here's what I'm going to do. He came prepared. He gave me a presentation. This was all during uh, Hurricane Sandy. And uh, I was like, you know what? Fucking thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Because it was always hard for me. And a lot of times, and Amanda, I'm sure that you have done this. I come in prepared like I'm going to war. I used to go in prepared. Like there was no question anyone was ever going to ask me that I didn't know. And I didn't care if I looked like Gidget in real life. You know, like I don't care. I was I was <laughs> unassuming. And sometimes I had like sweaters that I could have made me tender heart care bear, but who knows? And to go in and everyone's like, oh, hi, precious. You know, like a little pat on the head. And then you're like, all right, let's get down to business. Uh, and you you just open up with both barrels and you're like, oh, I'm here to fucking, I'm not here to play. Like, let's go. And it is, um, you will see people literally shift back in their seats. You will see them like, oh my God, I thought this was going to be easy. Maybe it's not going to be so easy. And then you're asking them the questions that they can't fucking answer, but you can. And you're answering, you're asking those questions because you know they can't answer them because they <laughs> underestimated you. And so that is definitely something that, um, like, I never mind. Like, go ahead and underestimate me, you know? And it was one of those things where even when we'd be in groups, like political meetings or like a DNC event, and they'd all gravitate towards the guys. You know, everyone wanted to talk to them. And then Dan Pfeiffer, God bless. Shout out to Pfeiffer at all times. He was like, ah, you actually, you have to talk to Alyssa. She's the one who's got all the power. And, you know, that was always his that was always his go-to when we were things like that. But it was, it never ended. It never really changed. I mean, even the people who I threw back on their heels and was like, oh no, I am loaded for bear. You know, the next time you'd have a meeting with them, they didn't always change their approach. But, you know, at least um, I felt more confident every time. But yeah, being Amanda 100%, like... <laughs> So I was never lucky enough to be in a meeting where my, my an article about me was on the table and I could just be like, while we're waiting, let's open up this magazine. That never happened. Amanda, I'm picturing you holding it up. <laughs> no, yeah. my assistant did. I was like, mm, that one. Don't, do that. Don't mind if I do. Amanda, I'm picturing you holding up a magazine with your face on the cover over your face and then lowering it. <laughs> it was actually more like um, I present to you. Do you recognize this? Is this familiar? <laughs> oh, my goodness. That poor intern. That poor no, intern. No. That intern really? deserved it. That intern deserved yeah. that moment. I, you should yeah, know better. I, <laughs> I guess it is like a they have to learn kind of a moment. Yeah. Like, look, it was harsh, but they have to learn. They must learn. Um, <laughs> is there ever like a moment where you kind of find yourself preferring to be the sidekick? Because like in some cases you you want to go into something and be like, okay, I'm in charge. But other times it's just sort of like, like how do you sink into a sidekick role 
knowing that it's not your time to be at the forefront. You know what I mean? Like if you're working with somebody else or mm. they're more they they're the ones that should be speaking up. Like how do you kind of like navigate that being used to being like somebody that's more at the forefront? Amanda, you're nodding. I'd love to hear from you on that. Yeah, allyship. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I think that's one of the key moments in which um, it's not about being a voice for the voiceless. You know, if you have privileged resources and let's say, you know, a lot of the work that I do is organizing for sexual violence around the world. You know, I'm not a constituent of every single country. So in a different country, you know, it's their moment. Um, and how do you um, uplift them um, by stepping out of that limelight and um, and making sure that their voices are centered, not yours. Uh, so yeah, pass the mic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember reading, Alyssa, that like women mm. in the Obama administration kind of had a strategy for de-sidekickification them, the, you know, whatever. I just made up a word. Yeah. But de-sidekickifying themselves um, by essentially citing each other in meetings and being yeah. like, like so-and-so, like Tian said, yeah. like oh, Amanda well, and said. And sometimes, sometimes if that person wasn't in the meeting, They'd be like, you know what? Kathy was making that point yesterday. Let's get her, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. because the thing is you'd be in the meeting the day before and someone would make a point and no one would really sometimes, so, not all the time, on occasion, someone would not pay that much attention. You'd be like, all right, it's like a fart in the forest. I guess they didn't, they weren't into it. And then the next day people are citing it like it was their idea. Yeah. And it was, no, 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 hold on. Let's get, let's get Nancy Ann. Let's get Kathy, you know, and um, it was, uh, it was it was a useful exercise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's something it that we try it. to do in uh, writers' rooms as well. Like in the experiences that I've had in different writers' rooms, and just being in, you know, you're trying to in rooms that I've been in have been like very diverse, but there is a particular type of white man that will take up much <laughs> a lot of space and like try to take ideas from other people, or in other words, just essentially repeat the idea that women have just pitched is a joke. And so we'll always like, I think it's like a kind of an unspoken thing amongst like the female writers to be like, Hey, like that's actually like Sarah's joke that Sarah brought that up. Like that's a great idea or like trying to make sure that we have to space and time to like acknowledge who actually came up with the idea. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's really, that's, I've, I noticed that too in writer's rooms. I think like a really healthy one, everyone does that for people because I think that there's like, I try mm-hmm. to give people a good faith read where it's like, sometimes you just are sort of like lost in your own thoughts and you hear something, but don't realize that you're hearing it. And so it kind of like intermingles with your own thoughts thoughts and you don't necessarily remember that someone else said it. You know what I mean? Because Mm -hmm. you're in this like, you know, soup basically of everyone's thoughts and ideas in a writer's room and stuff. But if I hear, if I would hear something pitched that was already pitched by somebody, I would say like, oh yeah, like uh, Tom was saying that yesterday or like Tara said that yesterday. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was like a really good idea. And I'm really excited we're talking about it again. Like here's something else. Like, or Oh, yeah, plus one to that, you know, or, or like jump in after somebody's really good idea and hope that like it just kind of people register who said it just because it 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 doesn't appear that way in scripts. Like you don't get you don't you're not like, oh, this person wrote this. Joke. Yeah. But in a room, it kind of matters for everyone to understand that it everybody's does. contributing for sure. Um, OK, uh, let's wrap up the sidekick conversation with 
who is your sidekick and who are you a sidekick for? I'm going to give you <laughs> some time to think about who your sidekick is. Or are you in a relationship with somebody or a friendship with somebody where you switch off being the main person and the sidekick? Alyssa, you go first. Who's your sidekick? Well, I think that my sidekick and I switch on and off. And it's my oldest friend, Kara. And it's like sometimes you're the one supporting and sometimes she's the one supporting. And I think that we just have such a good flow after all these years. Um, Literally, I was talking to her about a premiere and she was like, she calls me chicken. She's like, chicken, let me know if you need any help. Like it's she's like, it's your night. And I was like, no, no. I was also like. Kara, we're, we're good. There are people who are going to set it up. We don't have to like work the rope line or anything. And she's <laughs> like, but that is just, you know, that is, uh, and I was her maid of honor. I mean, I just, I just love her so much. Also, I think that my cat Midge is my sidekick. <laughs> you know what? Maid of honor is a sidekick role. That's your friend yeah, is totally. like, will you be my sidekick on this very important day for me? I am princess. You right. are sidekick. And you have to be the best sidekick you can be. That is the, I actually think it's one of the most important sidekick roles. Maid of honor. Interesting. Amanda, Get it I, wrong. Oh, yeah. You don't want to mess that one up. Um, Amanda, no. what are your thoughts? Who is your sidekick and who are you a sidekick for? Also, have you ever been a maid of honor and was it fun or no? Um, that one is too personal. So maybe like I'll reveal that in a book or something because it went horribly. Um, but uh, so, oh my god, I'll be having like flashbacks. To oh no! Oh no! Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so um, I also have a mutual side click slash main character switch off moment, um, but with. A dog. So my dog, Lucky. I mean, like, if anyone has ever owned a dog, they know that, like, when you're walking the dog, you're definitely the sidekick to your dog. Like, everybody mm-hmm. comes up and, like, pets your dog, and you're just like, I'm also here. You know what I'm saying? Um, uh, but, yeah, um, Lucky was a golden retriever, um, and I actually want to get him painted because um, – because I like all those, like, you know, traditional paintings of dogs and they look like they're, like, generals or something. Anyways, that's what I'm <laughs> – he's definitely not a sidekick. <laughs> oh, that's so cute. You know what? We got one of those – not – we didn't get one of, like, him looking like a general or, like, a fancy Edwardian boy. Yeah. We didn't get one of those for our dog, but we did – like, there was this thing on Etsy where you can send them a photo of your pet and they will, like, make a painting yeah. of it. And we did that and it looks really nice. And um, mm. my my kid – I have several. It. Yeah. My kid I points see. at it sometimes and is like, Luca, Luca. Aww. And it's like, yep, that's a painting of Luca. <laughs> that's how you know it's a good painting if a baby knows that what it's supposed to be. Um, Tien, same question for you. Who's your sidekick and who are you a sidekick for? I mean, I think I'm in – like, I, I – I think my my wife and I are like good sort of sidekick main character. We're like both pushing each other to be main characters. <laughs> so I think we're just kind of like switching off and on all the time, which feels really nice. Like when I, I think being the partner of an actor can is like a, a very specific thing where like I have a lot of sort of very social. My job is like very social front facing. And so she's so good about supporting me in that way. And like, she's working on something very specific right now that is like, I'm very excited to uplift her. So I feel like we have a very good balanced two sidekicks that are pushing each other to be main characters and 
seesawing back and forth. Oh, I love that. I sometimes feel like a sidekick main character fluctuation relationship with my sister, but I kind of prefer being in the sidekick role with her. She's younger than me. She's like six years younger. And uh, I like being her sidekick because that means I get to get like furious and say wild shit. Like the sidekick is the (laughs) one who gets to like say irresponsible things and be like, let's get him. You know, like the main character doesn't have to be the one that's like, let's get him. The side character does that. And that's way more fun. Um, So (laughs) I I think my, my sister and I sometimes switch off. Like, we don't see each other that often because she lives in, you know, Minnesota. But when we do, there's, like, kind of energy that's sort of, like, kind of switches back and forth. And as the older sister, being a sidekick is, like, a fun little switch of of roles. Um, Okay. Main characters slash sidekicks slash switch hitters of whether or not you're a main character. Uh, Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we are going to talk about Sanity Corner and I Feel Petty. All right, people, we all know the stakes of the 2024 election are high, whether it's keeping the Senate, taking back the House, or stopping Republicans at the state level. If you're ready to make a real difference, sign up for Vote Save America's 2024 volunteer program. And just to make it interesting, we're pitting you against each other. Vote Save America will sort you onto a team east or west, and you'll compete with a community of other volunteers to maximize your impact on the ground with opportunities tailored to you and the causes you care about. The team with the highest volunteering staff could secure the biggest prize of all, the continuation of American democracy. Head to votesaveamerica.com slash 2024 now and get ready to organize or else. This message has been paid for by Vote Save America. You can learn more at votesaveamerica.com and this ad has not been authorized by any candidate or candidate's committee. Guys, it's been a rough year going to get rougher and you deserve a little treat for not going insane yet you could head to the local tiki bar and tell the bartender do your worst but we have a better idea for you which is pick out something from the crooked store the store is stocked with tons of new merch it's perfect for the spring and classics like the friend of the pod tees that you'll be wearing long after the next administration or the next fascist dictatorship depending on how things go pick up a new tee for the warm weather ahead a mug that'll remind you to stay involved this election year or a hat celebrating your favorite pod go to crooked.com store to shop Donald Trump can't leave the courtroom, so just to rub it in a little, Pod Save America is going on tour. He's probably asleep right now, but if he were conscious, he'd be so, so jealous. The Democracy or Else tour begins in Brooklyn on June 26th, followed by Boston on June 28th. Then we go to Madison, Phoenix, Ann Arbor, and Philly. See all the tour dates and get your tickets now at crooked.com slash events. Okay, welcome back. No announcements for the class this week. Let's just get right into Sandy Petty because Alyssa and I have been planning our Sandy <laughs> Petties for literally days and they're extremely cunty. I'm just going to yep. say that. Super, and I, super. I am I'm applying the cunt label to myself. I, I own it. I embrace it. And that is, that's fine. I, I can live with that. I'm feeling petty, guys. Uh, Kellyanne Conway is getting a divorce. Love is not real, I guess. If, if the Conways can't make it, if two people publicly feuding over Twitter, uh, can't 
have a long-lasting marriage, then I don't know who can. There was an article, though, in the New York Times about the divorce that had a paragraph in it that I was like, this is delicious, and I wish I could just inject how the reporter felt writing this paragraph into my veins because it is delicious. Um, Okay, here we go. Um, (laughs) In a text message on Saturday, Ms. Conway denigrated the reporter writing about her divorce for having, quote, the gossip girl beat and referred to Mr. Conway as Kellyanne Conway's husband. Ms. Conway (laughs) added that he was often quoted in news stories despite having, quote, no expertise. By the way, Kellyanne Conway's husband for, you know, call him a political gadfly, hanger on, whatever. He has been in D.C. for so long, and he absolutely does have expertise to weigh in on things that he was weighing in on. Anyway, uh, back to the article. (laughs) Implying that journalists did so just to put her in an awkward position. So Kellyanne Conway, in a comment to the reporter writing about her divorce, (laughs) accused the report, insulted the reporter, not a good idea, referred to her soon-to-be ex-husband as Kellyanne Conway's husband, um, said he was an idiot, also implied that people wrote articles that quoted her husband just to make her look bad. Uh, Ms. Conway has long maintained that any interest in her husband was part of an effort to undermine the standing of a prominent conservative woman. You know how we talk about men having the audacity? I really think Kellyanne Conway is a pioneer in having the audacity, you know? (laughs) Like, imagine, imagine thinking that entire major media outlets were structuring news stories around making one presidential advisor feel weird. Imagine (laughs) that. Imagine thinking that about yourself. Imagine thinking that about yourself. Um, just incredible. The audacity is incredible. Um, is it okay to laugh about people getting a divorce? I say yes, if they're bad people. It's absolutely okay <laughs> to laugh about bad people getting a divorce. Um, Alyssa, I, I just, I don't know. I think it's I think it's funny. We all saw it coming. Um, I think their kids are out of the house. So it's like, you know, I hope that their kids are okay. Um, but I, I feel like well, maybe you know that they just didn't get to divorce sooner because they didn't want to give anyone the satisfaction. I mean, like, yeah. I'm 100%. getting the satisfaction. I am fully getting I mean, the satisfaction. Like, I mean, back when back when the the daughter was on TikTok yeah. and George Conway was leaving Twitter, and it's like it was it's been falling apart for a long time. And they were like, "Fuck you, America." We know you think you know what's coming, but we won't give you the satisfaction. Little did they know we'd still be paying attention and enjoying. I'm just glad they're not getting a reality show. That was my fear through oh all of the whole thing. I was like, you always said it. You always said it. I was like, they're angling to be some sort of like, we're pitching to TLC. We're two, we're two weirdo assholes who don't get along, <laughs> but we're married anyway. Like, follow us with cameras as we go around DC being terrible people. I'm glad okay, that But that's would not you watch it though? Yes, I absolutely would. I would. Yeah, I would. I probably would. It's too mean spirited. It's, oh, Tien. I know. I just need like a hint of hope in my reality TV shows. Sure, sure. Um, that's why you can't watch 90 Day Fiance the other way. It's too no, much. Too it's much. Too, too much. Over mm-hmm. the top. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's what I'm feeling petty about today. And it was very bitchy. And I understand that. And and divorce isn't funny unless someone I don't like is getting a divorce. In which case, it is hilarious 
Congratulations to Kellyanne Conway's husband for his divorce. Um, Amanda, <laughs> Sanity Corner or I Feel Petty this week? Um, I have a Sanity Corner and it's really corny, uh, but today is Women's History Day. And so obviously all of the women who keep me sane in my life, that is my sanity. <gasps> Can you name some? Name names. Name yes. the women. Alicia Garza, like times mm-hmm. 10. Um, you know, when Stop Asian Hate happened, she was my guiding light. Um, and she really, really helped me through the roller coaster wave of emotions that, um, that, you know, when hashtags go viral. Um, so yeah, I am so grateful to her. I'm grateful to like my astronaut mentors, Ellen Baker, who (laughs) was maybe like, okay, I'll just, she's very inspirational and, um, and has supported me all these years. That's amazing. When you yeah. said my astronaut mentors, there was a part of me that was like, oh, that's a cool way to, to give someone a compliment is to like call them an astronaut. And I'm like, no, she's literally talking about an astronaut. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. a literal <laughs> astronaut. It's like yeah. my galactic best friend. It's like, no, that's just – Definitely. She's, she's got astronaut mentors. That's awesome. Um, okay, Tien, Sanity Corner or I Feel Petty this week? Well, I'm going to follow astronaut mentors with my Sanity Corner, which is – the soft boil soy sauce egg. I don't know if you're familiar. <laughs> oh, yeah. no, I have been I'm making not. these. <laughs> I have been making these on repeat recently. Um, it is a six minute soft boiled egg that you then marinate in like soy sauce, rice wine vinegar. There's like many different versions of the recipe, but I in particular do like a little brown sugar, soy sauce, um, rice wine vinegar, sesame seeds, and some scallions, and you let that marinate over in the fridge. And I mm. like will make two to four at a time. And then the next day, pull one out, crack it over like a little bowl of like steamed rice or ramen. And it is a true like umami delight. So if I'm anybody so wants a little, right wants a little like so delicious. salty, delicious, yolky, lunch or dinner, try a soy sauce six-minute egg. Do you use it with A1 steak sauce or is that the limit of your A1 use, Tian? That is the limit of my A1. (laughs) I have put A1 on salty stuff before, but this is too salty to be doubling up on. (laughs) I think I would have reached my sodium intake. I just uh, just want to remind listeners that Tien has also used for her sanity corner Panda Express, um, yep. a one <laughs> steak sauce, <laughs> and those little ice cream cones you can buy at Trader Joe's. I've literally picturing- laid out a whole meal for you. <laughs> This is like a four course. This is like a pre fee. Like you, you go and and Tien it prepares you this like meal, and you end it with a little Trader Joe's ice cream cone. I feel like when. I feel like if your wife came home and you had all four of those items in front of you, yeah. she'd be like, okay, you're very depressed. What can we do? <laughs> <laughs> or like an incredibly stoned person is having this like prefixed meal. <laughs> um, do you have a – That you know would what? be delicious. Do you have a recipe for that that's like kind of a rough recipe you could share? We'll put it in the show notes in case our listeners want to make one for themselves. Yeah, yeah. I'll and send. I'll send the I one do. that I love using the most. Amazing. Amazing. Okay. Um, Alyssa, Sanity Corner or I Feel Petty? I already know what's coming and I can't wait. Okay, you guys. So I happened to watch Ron DeSantis' State of the State the other day. Ugh. 
And I had a I had a takeaway. Aaron, Tien, Amanda, mm-hmm. I think, Ron DeSantis, and part of the Republican Party, I think they have discovered Ozempic. Um, Ron DeSantis, <laughs> first I was like, did he get a haircut? And also, I want to be clear, this is not fat shaming. If these were not terrible people who hate everybody, I would not be commenting on weight loss. However, <laughs> I do think it is a pretty good predictor of who thinks they're running for president. Oh my Back God. in... 2021, Vanity Fair did an article about how, like, every time they noticed whether Trump was losing weight, that it was a 10 to 15 percent increase that he would run again in 2024. Um, But Ron DeSantis, you guys take a look. His ill-fitting suits are, like, even more ill-fitting. Yeah. And Mike Pompeo, let me read you a little nugget that seems somewhat in-fucking-possible. From the New York Post. Pompeo, 58, said he invested in a home gym in his basement with some dumbbells and an elliptical machine where the Post photographed him this week. I tried to get down there five, six times a week and stay there for half an hour or so. He says, he says, when asked, this was in response to him losing, him saying he lost 90 pounds in six months. And that's not how that's how he did it. Whoa. That's that is that is a person who is who's who like, oh, did he lift him with his face? Is that why he has a Zempic face? Oh, it's epic face. I don't know, Aaron, but let me just also finish the quote. He said that was it. Nothing specific. There was no trainer, no dietitian, just me. Oh, my just God. Just me and my Ozempic. <laughs> just me and my skinny so anyway, pen. Just oh. me and my skinny pen. But anyway, I'm saying I think that we'll be able to tell who's running if we keep looking for Ozempic face on the nightly news. <laughs> right. So Ozempic, for the the people who have not been reading the like, whatever, who have not been keeping up with it, it's a drug that is, it was developed for use by people with diabetes. Um, yes. But one way that is being prescribed off-label is for weight loss. And the way that it works is it, I, I, I'm not a scientist in any way, shape, or form, but essentially like, retrains your blood sugar to regulate in a way that you don't feel hungry. And it's really quick to, it, you lose weight really, really quickly. And it kills your cravings. It that's kills your cravings. Thing. And that's why you see, like, that's why like very, very skinny is back in style in Hollywood because mm. it's really easy for people to lose weight really quickly by using this diabetes drug off-label. Um, and the, a big issue with this, too, is that people who actually fucking need it for their health are having a harder time, it, hard time it finding it now because, mm-hmm. yeah. There is, another bears, drug, but, there is another drug that does the same thing that Ozempic does, but it's not for diabetes. It's just for, it's just supposed to be used for people who could, whose health could benefit by losing weight if they're like very obese. Um, so that one is supposed to just be for weight loss. And it's supposed to be right. for people who have already tried to do the other things. Um, Mm. I just think, you know, I don't want to snark on, I'm just saying this. I'm not saying this to snark. Rand DeSantis is a husky boy. He's a husky boy. Yeah. And that's fine. (laughs) We can, we've had husky boy presidents before. Donald Trump is a husky boy, but like, I think that the idea, 
I think for somebody who claims to hate California and everything it stands for so much, he sure yes. fucking loves our weight loss trends. And I don't <laughs> think that he should be able to get away with like, pretend. I don't think Mike Pompeo, I don't think Ron DeSantis should be able to get away with pretending that they went down to their home gym, waved some <laughs> dumbbells around for half an hour, five times a week and lost like 80 pounds. It's not realistic. That's not that's not how that works. It not it's not how it happens. It's bullshit. And I think that it's like I think we should be calling out and making fun of Republican men who <laughs> pretend that yes. they're working for this when really they're just doing the same thing that Kim Kardashian is doing. Which <laughs> whatever. Anyway, so that's that's a whole that's a whole thing. But yes, that's extremely petty, Alyssa, and I totally agree with it's you. Petty. I think that you Thank know, you I so think much. politics has been missing unrealistic beauty standards. So this is, I like this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, instead of making life better yeah. for, pe- for people, let's make it worse for everyone else, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, instead of making it so, like, women don't feel like they need to adhere to, un- like, unrealistic beauty standards, let's yeah. make men also feel like shit. Yeah, let's just make it That's- worse for everyone. <laughs> That's capitalism, baby. That's how we maximize profits. Okay. On that note, that's all the time we have for this week's show. Jessica Valenti, thank you so much for joining us. Alyssa Mastromonaco, thank you for being my ride or die. Not my sidekick, my ride or die. Right Key difference. Amanda and Tian, thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure to have you both. And listeners, if you like what you're hearing, please rate, review, uh, share us with your friends. Tell people about it. Get in. Get it on the text chain with, you know, the people that live far away from you. Talk about the stuff we're talking about. If you want to get in touch with us, hysteria at crooked.com. We love hearing from you. You guys are so smart. And uh, there will be another episode of Hysteria for you next week. Hysteria is a Crooked Media production. Caroline Rustin is our senior producer. Our executive producer is me, Aaron Ryan. Alyssa Mastromonaco is our co-producer. And Fiona Pastana is our associate producer. The show is engineered and edited by Jordan Cantor. Thank you to our digital team, Nar Melkonian, Mia Kelman, Milo Kim, and Matt DeGroote. 